You know, in these days, we're living in really uh, troubled times in our world. Um, I'm thankful that in these months, we've been engaged in prayer, and we can pray and ask the Lord for various things. Um, and a lot of the times, uh, God wants us as well to be intercessors and pray for things that are going on around the world. I'm sure you all have noticed what's happening in Afghanistan with the Taliban really taking over the whole country, and we should pray uh, for the people of, Af of Afghanistan and especially for the Christians uh, that are there, that they would be protected and that those that are able to, uh, and want to leave would be able to uh, do that. We should pray for those that uh, are being affected by the earthquake in Haiti. Uh, there's so much uh, that's uh, destruction in that land, and they've had one turmoil after another turmoil after another turmoil, and we should pray for that. In Ethiopia right now as well, they're going through a lot of tensions and on the brink of a civil war. Out west in BC, there are uh, fires that are uh, consuming so much of the forestry and affecting people as well. And in the midst of all this, we have elections coming up in Canada. And so there's a lot of uh, unrest, there's a lot of uncertainty. We're living in a time and we have to realize one thing for sure, the blessing that we have to live here in the country of Canada. We have so much opportunities and privileges that many others don't have around the world and we really need to thank God for that. And understanding that, let's pray for others around the world that are going through, through hard times. And today you might see what's happening around the world but still say, hey, I'm going through a really tough time and I understand that as well. Maybe in your life and in your family, you're going through some, some difficult times, maybe some, uh, some financial struggles or some family problems or even some marital problems or emotional or mental difficulties or uh, something else that's leaving you in a state of unrest or leaving you in a state of uncertainty for the future. And that's why this morning we want to look at Psalm 23 as Lauren so beautifully recited for us. We want to see this prayer to our good shepherd. This prayer, uh, Psalm 23, is a prayer that uh, is probably one of the most quoted psalms uh, in the world, uh, probably right next to Psalm 1 and, and Psalm 91. And it's been prayed so many times, memorized so many times, confessed so many times, and used as a pattern of prayer. And we could study each line in this psalm and create this into a whole series because there's so much content, there's so much uh, blessing and wonderful uh, opportunities to study this psalm. But I just want to, because of time, and uh, uh, we're just looking at a sort of big picture overview at some of these prayers, ancient prayers, modern lessons. I uh, just want to look at three things basically from this psalm that I think are very significant and hopefully applicable for us in our situation today. The first one, and if you uh, are following along in your notes, if you have a physical bulletin or the bulletin online, uh, the first one is that if we are satisfied with Jesus, we'll be overrun with blessings. Psalm 23 and verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Quite frankly, we can end the prayer right there, right? I shall not want, that's it, period, full stop, that's the end of it. I'm totally satisfied. I have enough. Jesus is everything to me. And if I have Jesus, what else do I need? The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything else, right? Unfortunately, in the culture uh, that we're living in today, we're living in a very consumeristic culture. We're living in a, in a culture and a place where we're always wanting more. We're always asking for more. We're always, we're always asking, give me this, give me that, give me this other thing. 
right? And so we want maybe the latest technology, we want the latest fashion, we want the latest car or a bigger house, or I want more money. We're, we're living in a consumer age. And, and sadly, that, that consumer mentality has also crept into the church as well. It, it, it's taken over the church in many ways. And no longer do we come to church uh, with a sense of what can I give, how can I serve, how can I live for the Lord. It's more of, let me come to church and see what I can get. Well, if the church has this program, then I'll go to this church. Well, if the church has this, this thing, then I'll go to this church. If the church has that thing, if I can get this out, if I can have this, if this can satisfy me, we, we end up having such a consumer mentality. What can I get out of Unionville Alliance Church Instead of what I really think is the spirit and attitude of Christ, what can I give to bless others, right? If it's to join a life group, maybe it's like, okay, if I'm going to join a life group, what can I get out of that life group? But can we switch it around and say, well, if I'm going to join a life group, what can I give? How can I be a blessing to those other group members, right? Instead of always asking, what can I get out of this? How can I serve? How can I sacrifice that, I think, is the spirit of Christ. And, and it, it, I believe from this very first line in, in Psalm 23, if we're satisfied with Jesus, then everything else will fall into place. Right? Can you imagine a prayer actually beginning like this? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why go any further from there? Right? That's it. Jesus is our shepherd. We're, we're, we're satisfied. Right? But how opposite this is to so many prayers that we pray, right? Now, I'm not against petitionary prayer, and we even, uh, Mac prayed a beautiful prayer petition even this morning. And we should be praying petitionary prayers and intercessory prayers for others. But so many times, our prayers might be caught up with, Lord, give me this, Lord, give me that, Lord, do this for my family, do this for my friends, do this for me, do that for me, do this and do that. And we get caught up with all of the petitionary aspect and we lose the satisfaction and intimacy and joy that prayer should really be with Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, he's everything that I need. How opposite this prayer is to our natural tendency of starting off our prayer and saying, Lord, can I have this? Lord, can I have that? Lord, can I have the other thing? But the beautiful thing about this prayer in Psalm 23 is that if we put Jesus in the right place, if we give him the priority, if we say, Lord, I am satisfied and blessed and content with you and only you, and I say, Lord, you are my shepherd, I don't need anything else, then the rest of the prayer actually is full of so many blessings. I'll go very quickly through the rest of the prayer, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We can end right there. Jesus is awesome. He's the priority in our lives. He's the first thing that we need, right? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's talking about rest that he gives us. Are you troubled today? Are you unsettled? This is a promise of rest. In green pastures, it talks about nourishment. He nourishes our soul. He leads me. This talks about guidance that he gives to us. Do you not know the, the pathway of the future? Well, the Lord wants to lead you. He leads me. Beside still water speaks about this beautiful peace that he instills to us. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not like the world gives do I give to you. He restores my soul, restoration for our lives. Maybe we've wasted some time. Maybe we've wasted some years, but there's restoration that the, 
the good shepherd gives to us. He leads me in the path of righteousness, in the right way he will take us. Sometimes maybe we, we stray away like sheep in the wrong way, but he, le- he can lead us in the right way, that path of righteousness. For his name's sake, the power of his name, the beauty of his name, because of his name, that blessing comes upon us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it talks about the perfect will of God, regardless of how difficult and hard and terrible it might be, and regardless of how strenuous it might be, he takes us through the perfect will of God because he knows the best for us. I will fear no evil, speaks of confidence that the Lord gives us in the midst of difficulty and trials, that we're walking through that valley, but there's a confidence there. For you are with me, speaks about the beautiful companionship that Jesus gives to us as we walk with him. He is our companion. He, we have this, this wonderful times uh, of companionship with him. Your rod speaks of discipline, like the rod of discipline. It brings, it, it, it's there to help us. So correction is also good for us because the good shepherd corrects us and leads us in the right way. And your staff, the staff speaks about support, that in times of need, he will support us. They comfort me. That the Lord gives us comfort in our most difficult and hardest times. You prepare a table before me speaks of fellowship that we can have one with another. And especially the next part in the presence of my enemy speaks about victory and reconciliation that we can have even with our enemies. And that brings us into fellowship even with them. You anoint my head with oil speaks about the anointing of the Holy Spirit that gives us strength to overcome. My cup runs over speaks about the abundant blessings that he just pours and pours and pours into us so that it just continues to overflow. Goodness shall follow me. The goodness of the Lord is there for us. Mercy shall follow me or love shall follow me. So mercy and love follows us every day of our lives. We wake up in the morning and who's there to say hi to us? Goodness. We turn around to the other side and who's also there? Mercy. And we turn around and who's following us? Goodness and mercy. All the days of my life, each and every day is counted and known by God. He numbers our days. He won't give us more than what we can bear. Every single day that he allows in our lives is for a purpose and a plan. All the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The most amazing place with the most amazing God for an amazing eternity that God has for us forever and ever and ever. And that is our good shepherd. Thank you. Amen. That is our good shepherd. If we're content and satisfied with him, Oh, he will overrun us with blessing after blessing. Oh, if we are content and we are able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need anything else. Oh, that is when he overruns us with blessing after blessing. And this psalm is filled with so many blessings. And it all comes out of that first line, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything else. And my, and my question for all of us, for myself, and my challenge to you as well is, where are our priorities? What are our priorities? Is Jesus in the first place? In Matthew 6 and verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Put God in the first place. Put Jesus in the first place. Instead of running after and seeking after this blessing and that blessing and this thing and the other thing, put Jesus in the first place. Seek after Jesus. Long for Jesus. Run after Jesus. Seek the intimacy that's found in prayer. Seek the intimacy that's found in knowing the Lord. 
Seek the intimacy that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and all these other things will be added to you. This week I was, I was speaking with my mom, and uh, you know we were talking about all that was going on in Afghanistan, and she was telling me how in, in, in some ways some of the things her heart was, was breaking for some of the people there in Afghanistan. And I was reminded of how when my parents were leaving Sri Lanka, it was in the uh, middle of a civil war as well that was going on. My dad was in the Navy and our house was burnt down. Our car was burnt down. Our lives were in danger. And it was, it was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know what the future would hold. We had, had to, after that, I was just a, a little boy uh, at the time. I didn't know what was going on. I have no memories of that only from what my parents and family members tell me about those, those times. And we lived in the naval headquarters after that because we lost our house and lost our car. It was just a time of uncertainty and not knowing what, what we had in the future. And they were trying to transfer my dad. My dad is a, we're, we're ethnic Tamils and, and the war was between the ethnic Tamils and the ethnic Sinhalese. And there was a, a, a war that was going on because of that. And uh, my dad being an ethnic Tamil in a predominantly Sinhalese Navy was something that was of great consternation because he didn't know what his superiors thought of him as well and they didn't know whether they could trust him either and they wanted to transfer him up to Jaffna which is his hometown in the northern part of of Sri Lanka and where a lot of the the, the tension started as well and but my mom with two small kids she didn't know know what to do the 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 commander of the navy uh his wife invited my mom for for an event and my mom just said how am I supposed to come I don't even have clothes and proper shoes our house was just burnt down and then after that, they were trying to transfer my dad to the northern part of the country, and my mom had to finally just appeal to the wife of the commander of the Navy and say, please, don't let this happen. And I could tell you the whole story. It's much longer, but we were able to escape out of that country and, and come to Canada. And the Lord really made a way for us because otherwise, more than likely, we, we probably wouldn't have survived because of, the, because of what was happening. We, we just survived escaping our house from it being burnt down. But when my parents came to Canada, I really appreciate one thing that the Lord spoke to my dad. The Lord spoke to my dad from this verse, Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And that's one thing that he put a priority in his life to, to seek the Lord. And really, his, his life with the Lord really uh, became deeper and fuller as after he came to Canada and really started to seek the Lord and put that in its first place and then everything else will happen. They started with nothing in this country and they worked hard and uh, the Lord really blessed them, but not because they were looking after the blessings, but they were looking after God. They were seeking after him. They wanted him and they, and they worked hard and the Lord really blessed them, but it was really because of this verse. And I wanna encourage all of us in these days, let's put Jesus in his rightful place because the Lord is my shepherd I don't need anything else. And if we find perfect contentment and satisfaction in Jesus, then all these other things will, will continue. Number two is that we start in the fields and we end in the house. We start as sheep and we end as sons. Now, this, give me some time to explain this. So if you see the beginning of the psalm, it starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Or the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need anything else. And it ends with, goodness and mercy or goodness and love shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So at the beginning of this psalm, we are like sheep and he's the shepherd. 
right? And, and we're like sheep in the fields. But by the end of this prayer, by the end of this psalm, we are like children in the house of God, right? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You usually don't find sheep in the house. You find sheep in the fields, but you find sons and daughters in the house. Now, note, we become sons, of, sons and daughters of God. We become children of God when we uh, accept Christ as our Savior, when we give our lives to him. All those uh, to, who believe on Jesus Christ, they are given the privilege to be called the children of God. But what does this mean? When you look at this psalm from beginning to the end, sheep in the field to, to, to children in the, uh, in the house, I really believe that there's a growth that God wants us to go through. There's a growth in our lives, and I believe that's what prayer actually does for us. As we commune with the Lord in prayer, as we dig deeper with the Lord in prayer, there's a growth that God is doing uh, in our life. As we pray and draw closer to Jesus in intimacy, we learn the heart of God. We, we feel the heart of God. We are changed by the Spirit of the Lord. He transforms us. And, and David, the writer of this psalm, he understood this very intimately because this is what happened to him. The Bible says that God called David from being a shepherd and caring for the sheep in the fields and brought him to be king over Israel. And not only that, the Lord promised David, I am going to make a sure house for you. And I promise you, David, that there will always be a descendant of yours to sit upon your throne. And that is fulfilled in Jesus as the ever-living God and Jesus as a descendant of, uh, of David. But he wants us now to act and be sons and daughters in his house because that's what the eventuality is. That's what the ending of this psalm is, right? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So how do we get to that point? How do we get to that point of such assurance and such confidence? How do we get to that point of saying that we are sons and daughters of God, have a place in the house of the Lord? How do we get to that place where mercy is following us every day of our life and accomplishing God's work and purpose in our lives? Well, in Luke 6, verse 35 and 36, it says, now this is tough here, okay? I'm going to forewarn you. This is, these words of Jesus are very difficult. He says here, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And then it says, be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why is mercy following you? I think mercy is following us to help us to be sons of God. I think mercy is following us to help us to be children of God, to be sons and daughters of God, and act like it says in this verse, to love our enemies and to do good, not expecting to receive anything in return. And that's tough. And that's hard to do. Love your enemies, do good to them, and then you will be sons and daughters of the Most High. Goodness and mercy following us and leading us and pushing us to the eternal house of God. This takes an extraordinary amount of growth in our lives. This takes diligent yielding to the spirit of God. 
This takes surrender to the Spirit of God and saying, yes, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, empower me. Lord, change me. Lord, transform me. Lord, help me because in and of myself and my own very nature, I hate my enemies. And now you're telling me to love my enemies. Lord, I need mercy to come behind me every single day. I need goodness to surround me every single day. And teach me what is it like to be a son and daughter in the house of God. Because this is the nature of the kingdom of God. Not to exact retaliation on your enemies, but to love your enemies and to do good, not expecting anything in return. And that, friends, is impossible without the Spirit of the Lord. That is impossible. We could be walking with the Lord for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but something happens and this nature comes out. And unless we yield to the Spirit of the Lord, something comes out of us. When people do something, I I often say, touch a person's money, or touch a person's child and you'll see their true nature come out. Anyone found that to be true? If someone touches your money or someone touches your child, what happens? Oh, the bear comes out. The lion comes out. How could you say that about my son? How could you say that about my daughter? How could you do this with my money? See, this is something extraordinary about being children of God in the eternal house of God. This is something extraordinary about the kingdom of God, about the characteristic of God's people. Matthew 4, verses 44 and 45 says, but I, <coughs> excuse me. but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. See, we are to be sons and daughters of God. And in order to do that, we need to reflect the nature and character of our Heavenly Father. And maybe we're in a place right now that that we don't reflect that. But let me tell you, our Good Shepherd wants to take us from sheep wandering in the field that have a tendency to stray away. Sheep that have a tendency to go their own way. That's why, thankfully, the Good Shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after that one. But God wants to change us from being those sheep that stray away, that go our own direction, that don't surrender and yield. But with all of the blessings of the rod and the staff and the anointing and all of the blessings of peace and lying down by green pastures and all of these things that he does in our lives and works in our lives to bring us to that place where we become sons and daughters of the living God and we dwell in the house of the Lord forever, reflecting the nature and character of Christ, which is something extraordinary and amazing because it is loving your enemies. And the context in which we're, in which we're seeing Christians in the world today suffering and going through hardship and persecution, it is extraordinary. I'll tell you a story um, about a missionary from the International Missions Board, um, the, the Baptist Mission uh, Agency, but a man named Mark. Now, that's not his real name, but this is a real story. <clears throat> and Mark gave his life to the Lord about five years ago, and he was a painter, and he would support his, his uh, wife and daughter through, through uh, painting as his trade. He obeyed the Lord in baptism, 
and he started sharing the gospel with others, even though he knew that it would, t it would be a hit to his reputation. This was in a South Asian country, right, that didn't have a lot of Christianity there. And he knew that this would be a hit to his reputation and also for the ability of others to want to hire him for his own livelihood. One of the missionaries said this, he said, quote, deciding to trust Christ and be baptized has blessed Mark with joy in Christ and fellowship with God's people. However, his faithfulness to share how Christ can also save other villagers causes locals who disprove of his bold witness to speak out against him. As a result, it has become difficult for Mark to find work. Nevertheless, he's remained faithful to Christ. When COVID-19 hit that, that country, it was, it's a small South Asian country, and the people there were mainly day laborers, and of course, because of that, their livelihood was, was, was hit hard. And so the missionaries decided to try to put a relief program together and recruit some help from other nations to help those people. And so they found 65 faithful believers and said that they would give them and their family food uh, to eat. But they also asked them to find three other families that didn't know anything about Jesus, that didn't know Christ, that they could also help with food. Do you know what Mark did? Mark's generosity was extraordinary. He sought out and found the man who was responsible for publicizing his conversion to Christ. He sought out and found the man who was responsible for encouraging other people to persecute him. And Mark took the food for his own family, not for the others, the food from his own family and gave it to that man, for him and for his family. His enemy, at this time of crisis in COVID-19 and not having food to eat, he took the food that the missionaries gave him for himself and for his family. He found out, he looked and he searched, he found the man that was responsible for all of his problems, his enemy, and he gave his own food and his family's food to that man for him and his family. That's loving your enemies. That's showing extraordinary love. I believe Mark is a, is a son in the house of God. I believe Mark is reflecting the nature of the father. I believe there's mercy and goodness that are surrounding Mark so that he understands and knows the beauty of following Jesus and the principles of the kingdom of God that push him and urge him and cause him to do something like this. The missionary said, quote, since Mark received the gospel, he has learned to love and forgive because God in Christ has loved and forgiven Mark. That verse in Psalm 23, verse 5, you prepare a table before me, where? At Unionville Alliance Church when we have a barbecue and hamburgers and hot dogs and all of us friends and family are going to eat together. No. You prepare a table before me? in the presence of my enemies. See, the Lord is preparing us and causing us to want and desire and love to do something for those that are against us. And maybe you might not have an enemy here today. Maybe there's no enemies or maybe someone hasn't done anything bad to you. But can I encourage you to show love to those who you normally wouldn't show love to? Can I encourage you 
to go out and seek out someone that you probably might not bless or encourage or talk to or give some food to. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. How is this possible? Well, the next part of that verse says, you anoint my head with oil. I think this is only possible through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to overcome in difficult times. It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within us that changes us and transforms us and causes us to be like Christ and reflect his character and nature. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God, all who are empowered by the Spirit of God, all who are, are, are surrendered to the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. They are the sons and daughters of the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to empower your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, to overflow you. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and surround you and cause you to do things that you might never do before. Allow the Holy Spirit to overflow you in ways that you would look back and you'll stand back and say, what was that? Was that me? Oh, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That others would see the glory of God. Others would see the character of God. Others would see the nature of God. Others would see the love of God. Oh, as we love one another, by this will all men know that we are his disciples if we love one another. And that doesn't mean just love your friends. Oh, no, it means love your enemies. That's what makes the difference. Oh, let the Spirit of God come upon us to empower us. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. It is through the Spirit of God that is working in our lives. It is through the Spirit of God that is changing us from glory to glory, changing us from, from, to the image and likeness of Jesus, taking away the sinfulness and the anger and, and the jealousy and the envy and all of these ugly things that are naturally within us, taking away the, the spirit of retaliation and revenge, the spirit that wants to see bad done to others and change that and transform us so that we can love our enemies and show the love of Christ to others in ways that are, are beyond even ourselves. That if somebody were to look at you and say, wow, you did that? No way, was that really you? And we can just stand back and say, yeah, that wasn't me. That was Jesus doing that. Because I know what I'm capable of. This is how we love one another, by being led and empowered by the Spirit of God. And, and in these times that we're living in that are such divisive times, as I talked about a few weeks ago, we're living in a, in a time in society that is very polarized. And in these times, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. We need to be the ones that love our enemies. And if people have the opposite opinion than us, love them even more. If people have a, a, the opposite feeling than us, love them even more. Be empowered by the Spirit of the Lord so that we overcome our own feelings and our own tendencies and our own negativity and our own criticism and our own tendency just to throw people under the bus. Let's let the Spirit of God overcome that and fill us with love and grace. Let goodness and mercy surround us and bring us to the eternal house of God forever and ever and ever. Amen. Oh, friends. 
this is what the Spirit of God wants to do in us. One other characteristic quickly that I think about sons and daughters that's important here. It's about obedience and faithfulness. See, going from sheep in the field to sons and daughters in the house, the sheep in the field have a tendency to stray, right? They have a tendency to go their own way, right? And that's why the good shepherd needs to be there. But sons and daughters in the house of God, they are characterized by faithfulness and obedience, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. See, God is looking for faithfulness as we serve him. Can I challenge you this morning, not just to be sheep, and sheep is great. We love the sheep. Not just to be sheep. But as you see in this progression in this psalm, and you see as we grow in intimacy and deeper in our prayer life with the Lord, he wants to make us sons and daughters, characterized by faithfulness and characterized by obedience. Can I challenge you today, in what ways are you serving the Lord today? As I talked about at the beginning of the message, we live in such a consumer uh, consumer world. It's a consumer Christianity as well. What can I get? What can I get? Do this for me. Do this for me. Can I ask you, how are you serving? How are you giving? Matthew 20 verse 28 says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. How are you growing in your service? There's so many areas of service within the church. There's also so many areas of service outside of the church. But in some way or in form, God wants uh, us to be pouring out as he pours into us. In some way or form, God is looking for a return on his investment into our lives. In some way or form, we need to grow in obedience and faithfulness to the way that God is calling us and speaking to us and pushing us out to be those sons and daughters of God here in the world today? Are you the sheep that tends to stray away? Or are you the son or daughter that stays faithful in the house of the Lord? And I think this happens. I think this happens by prayer. I think it starts with prayer. To be faithful in prayer and grow in intimacy with the Lord as, as we pray, Lord, you are my separate, I don't need anything else. And as we grow in that intimacy of prayer, that fellowship with the Lord, that love for Jesus, that dedication to him, that longing just to feel his heartbeat, that longing to be close to him, that longing to know him, as we grow in that level of intimacy, he grows us as children of God. We're having, starting um, next Monday, we're having a 24-hour prayer chat. I think we've got one person signed up. Can I encourage you? Sign up for just a half-hour slot. We're going to give you some um, prayer requests to pray for uh, and things that we could, we could pray for during that time. But take some of that time as well to spend in fellowship and intimacy and love with the Lord. So please sign up for that and let's spend some concentrated time in God's presence. The last thing, and I'll close with this. <coughs> Excuse me. Number three, because of the situation that we're living in the world today, this is all the more important for us to understand, is that crisis and calamity brings us closer to God and helps us to trust him. How many here, can I just see a show of hands? How many here 
if you've been following the Lord, that you can say honestly that you've probably seen and sensed the presence of God more in your difficult times than when everything else is going well in your life. Anyone here? Yeah. So many of us. When everything is going smoothly and well, when there's no trials, no problems, at that time, maybe we don't call out to the Lord. But it's not really in the good times that we really know and grow in our life with the Lord and in our prayer life, but it's really in difficult times. In crisis and calamity is when we'll really know the Lord. Now, if you look at this psalm, okay, look at how the, the tone changes as the psalmist writes this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Can you see the difference? All of this time from the beginning, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me, he makes me, he makes me. The, the psalmist is addressing the Lord as he, he, he. The moment that the psalmist says, right, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as soon as he comes to that phrase, before when it was green pastures, it was he. When it was beside still waters, it was he. When he was leading me in the paths of righteousness, it was he. But when he comes to the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. Now he changes the tone. And what does he say? For you are with me. Can you see the difference? It's all he, he, he. And then all of a sudden, through the valley of the shadow of death, when he really draws closer to the Lord, it's no longer, he doesn't say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you, uh, he is with me. No. He doesn't say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. He says, no. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, oh Lord, you are with me. There's a change in intimacy right there. It's no longer he, he, he. Now it is you. It is personal. In the valley of the shadow of death, in the time of trial and the difficulty, I have found Jesus to know him, to love him, to have intimacy with him. And I say, you are with me. It's not he is with me anymore. It is you are with me. He draws close to the Lord. And David, all the more, he knew this being a shepherd. He knew that in, in that time, in the valley of the shadow, when he faced a lion, when he faced a bear, when he faced death imminently, when he faced Goliath, David knew it is not he that is with me. It is Lord, you, oh Lord, are with me. You are my son and my shield. You are my strength and my song. You are with me in the valley of the shadow of death. And dear friends, please know that Jesus is not he is with you but it's Jesus he specifically as you talk to him in prayer you can say you Jesus my savior are with me it is the intimacy of prayer that makes all the difference it is the intimacy of knowing Jesus that makes all the difference it is knowing him it is loving him it is crying out to him Oh, dear people of God, as we cry out to the Lord, as we look to the Lord, know 
the difference in knowing Jesus intimately and personally. Don't pray a prayer that just quotes something and says, yes, he, he, he. But in these days, as we study through prayer, let's make it intimate. Let's make it personal. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He, um, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, you are with me. Your rod, not his rod. Your rod and your staff, not his rod and his staff, but your rod and your staff, they bring me comfort. Not he prepares a table before me. It's you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's not he anoints my head with oil. It is you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, friends, know the intimacy and power in knowing the good shepherd as your father. Know the intimacy and power of knowing the good shepherd as your father that makes you a son and daughter in the eternal house of God. Know the good shepherd is there for you to help you and to bless you and to trust in him. In these days, I was reading some accounts of some Christians who have been going through suffering and there are some stories that, that have been passing around of, of some of the sufferings that some Christians are feeling and knowing, especially in Afghanistan, and, and just the, the fear. But as I was reading some of the reports, I was reading how some of the people there have this extraordinary confidence in the Lord, this extraordinary trust in God, to have this, this, this trust and confidence in God like no other, it doesn't move them. It doesn't shake them. It's amazing. Only in time to come will we read some of these stories. But we can look back and see Christians in so many other places, in different countries, in different times of persecution, how they had such an unwavering faith to trust the Lord in the midst of difficulty, to trust the Lord in the midst of persecution. Shall we all stand as we sing this song? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Let me encourage you, trust the good shepherd. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. Not just as he, as a God that's out there, but that you would know his intimate and abiding presence. That you would know his love for you. He wants his goodness and mercy to surround you and change you and transform you, making you that son and daughter of God. Let's sing to the Lord.